This morning we'll be reading from John 6, 1 through 15. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the sign he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish, Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over and those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Thank you, Brian. Well, happy Mother's Day to, uh, to all you mothers out there. Uh, we want to say, because every one of us in this room has a mother, and so some of us are sitting next to our moms this morning, but we want to say to all the moms out there, thank you so much for all that you have done and for all you do. And um, we want to make sure that, that you know, moms, uh, we have a cupcake truck that is, uh, that is out there uh, for you. And actually, for all the ladies, every single lady in the house, we celebrate all women today on this day. And so uh, feel free to stop by the cupcake truck afterwards. And uh, to, they're free, free cupcakes uh, for you ladies. And then any kids under 16, guys, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say. It's just not your day. So <laughs> there you go. Um, so... Brian just read a very famous passage of the Bible. In fact, I would uh, be willing to say that just about every single person in this room understands that, that no matter what you know about Jesus or Christianity, that there was this guy, Jesus, and there was some deal with him feeding like 5,000 men or something. You probably have heard this miracle. It's, it's, we're in this middle of our Transform series. We're like smack dab in the middle of the seven-week series. We're in week four. And um, we're looking at the seven miracles that uh, the gospel writer John records in the New Testament, the seven signs that Jesus performed showing that he is the Son of God. And um, so we're looking at Jesus feeding 5,000. Now it's 5,000 men because they just took count of the men back there. It wasn't your day back then, ladies. It just wasn't. But actually what makes this even more miraculous is it was 5,000 men, but there were also women and children there as well. So it may have been 15,000 total people, might have been 20,000, might have been 25,000 people that Jesus actually fed. We are not quite sure on the numbers. But here's the deal. So it's a very familiar passage, and I was studying this passage this past week, reading it, and I've seen it before, and I was basically just saying to God, God, what is it that you are saying to me this week? What, 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 do, what word do you have for me? How does this apply to my life today? And how might this apply to all of our lives here in 2013? And you know what just really struck me about this passage? You know what really challenged me this past week as I read this? It was 
verse 9, which you can almost miss in this whole thing, but it was the, the boy who was willing to give up his lunch. We don't know much about this boy. In the Greek, it's rendered this lad. So we don't know if he was, you know, how small he was. We don't know how, how old he was. But what we do know is that the barley loaves that he was holding in his lunch sack, the barley loaves were the food of the poor. These like almost like pita bread type little uh, loaves, very small little things. And he had two little tidbits of fish. Actually, when you look in the Greek, it's like just a tidbit. Okay, so here's this boy's lunch. And what we know about this boy is he was poor. Now, I never grew up poor. I have never been poor. But those of you who have or you know someone who has, you know that when you're poor, lunch is a big deal because that might be the only meal you're getting that day. And this boy, when we we know from the gospel writer Mark, because all four gospel writers in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all record this miracle. Huge deal, okay? We know it from Mark's account that Jesus actually, like, sent his disciples around and said, hey, let's see how much food we got going on here. How much do we have to work with? And so when they went around, what we know is we don't know what exactly was going on with the boy, but we know that he was willing to say, you know what? Jesus needs my lunch. Here you go, Jesus. You can have it. Now, this is amazing to me, and I think partly the reason it's amazing to me is because food is a huge deal to me. I don't know if anybody else is just like a huge food person, but I absolutely love food. I mean, I think about food a lot. I've been known to eat for sport, if anyone knows what that terminology means, uh, from time to time. There's really no kind of food out there that I don't like or I won't try. I mean, it's all fair game. I just love it all. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Anybody amen on that? Okay, food, food, food is awesome. And I think this is just so, so cool that he gave up his lunch because I don't know that I would be willing to do that. Uh, I hate to be hungry. Just don't like the feeling. I get grouchy. I get irritable. I'm no fun to be around, right? And it's funny. When I was in college, I started uh, dating. Right at the end of my uh, senior year of college, I started dating my wife, uh, Becky. And one of the things that frustrated me the first time we went out was, like, we went out and we had this dinner date. And, you know, the portion size just wasn't big enough for me. And so I left the restaurant having dropped a lot of cash as a college student, and I'm hungry. There's something about that just didn't register for me. And so from then on out, unbeknownst to my wife, my girlfriend at the time, every other time we would go out on a date, before I would leave to go pick her up, I would actually have a full spaghetti dinner (laughs) just to kind of take the edge off and then would go take her out to dinner. And it would just, by the way, this works so much better out there. For for those of you guys who are, you know, this is a little dating tip for you. Because then I could actually focus on what she was saying instead of just staring down at my food. I was actually paying attention. I wasn't trying to grab things off her plate. You know, to this day, she says she hates sharing desserts with me. Splitting a dessert, like, at a restaurant. Because she's like, it's just, it's just a race <laughs> to just try and, you know, can, can, you, can you get your share? Okay, but this, this totally revolutionized my, my dating experience because I could actually like kind of focus on her and be polite and it was, it was great. So anyway, I hate to be hungry, you guys. I just hate to be hungry. And here's this, here's this boy. Man, this kid, this is amazing to me. He gives his lunch to Jesus. Now, I want you to think about how cool this day must have been for this little boy. I want you to think about that. 
So Jesus takes this boy's lunch, okay? Says he gives thanks, and then he distributes the food. And then supernaturally, miraculously, this food just multiplies. And as it spreads through the crowd, through 15,000, 20,000, 25,000, how many, however many people were there, all of a sudden, everyone is just chowing down. It said that everyone had enough to eat till they were satisfied. This wasn't everyone had a little taste. Everyone was throwing down on a huge feast of food. Now, think about this. That boy is watching this scene take place. What's going through his mind? He's thinking, that was my lunch. <laughs> That's amazing. He's looking around. He's like, my lunch is everywhere. I mean, everybody's eating my lunch. That is so incredibly cool. There are many things about us in this room that probably differentiate us. Very diverse crowd here at Grace. But I'd be willing to bet that there's one thing here that all of us, every single one of us in this room has in common. I believe that we all are here today wanting to experience God's love and God's power in our lives. Would you be willing to say that's true? We all here want to experience God's love and God's power. I know that's true for me. But here's the deal. If I really take an honest look at myself, I want to experience God's love and God's power in my life. But I'm not always willing to give up my lunch. I want to experience God's power in my life, but often there are times where I'm not giving God anything to work with. I'm not willing to give up my lunch. I'm holding tightly to my lunch. Now, you might be saying, you're not talking about literal lunch here, Derek, are you? Like, what are we talking about exactly? You're saying willing to give up my lunch. What are you talking about when you're saying my lunch? Well, I'm glad that you asked. I want to unpack that for you. So inside of my lunch bag, there are two items that I'm talking about when I'm talking about that I'm often not willing to give up my lunch. The first one, this is my wallet. I am not a naturally generous person when it comes to money. I have just never been that way. Ever since I was a small, small boy, I have just always had this thing with wanting to collect and store and stockpile and save and save and save. I don't know where it comes from, but it's just, I'm, I'm just... I'm not a naturally generous person. However, my wife, on the other hand, she is generous to a fault. To a fault. And I stress that part about to a fault. <laughs> because, like, I'll come home sometimes from being out or whatever, and she'll just go, oh, by the way, or actually it's even better when you see, like, the, the credit card statement or whatever, and it's like, what the heck? And she's like, well, actually, you know, so-and-so came to the door, and they were doing this, and so, and then there was this charity, and then there was this other thing. And I'm just like, Oh, that's great. You know, big smile. Oh, that's awesome, honey. You know, thank you. And inside I'm going, I'm going to kill you. What are, you, what, are you what are you doing? You know, this isn't in the budget. How are we going to pay for this? Now, for my wife, this is no problem because my wife believes something that many of you believe in this room. Okay? She believes in something called a money tree. See, for her, it's very simple. You just plant another money tree in the backyard. And that just takes care of the problem. See, for, for her, it's like, 
She's like, I don't know. That's your deal. You figure out how to pay for it. I'm just saying we have to give it. All right? So that's the first thing, is that oftentimes I am not willing to give up my money. Now, second thing that's in my lunch bag. I don't know how many of you guys keep your schedule on your smartphone. Maybe there are some of you who still have like the paper organizer type deal, okay? But, but this represents my schedule, my time, my time. And this is a tough one because in this day and age, in this city that we live in, there is so much that vies for our time, is there not? I mean, it's insane. With so much going on, we have to protect our time. We, we have to. Otherwise, we'd freak ourselves out. We'd never sleep because there's so many opportunities to do certain things. And there's nothing wrong with protecting our time because we want to carefully evaluate different opportunities to make sure that those are the best opportunities, that those are going to be worthwhile, that they're going to make a difference. And so this is a good thing, right? It's a good thing. But here's the catch. What I've noticed in my life, and maybe you can relate to this, is that where I started out just kind of protecting my schedule and protecting my time and wanting to carefully evaluate, over time what has happened to me, I've noticed, is, is now when someone comes to me with a request or an opportunity that's not within the natural rhythm of my life, when something unexpected, something spontaneous happens, do you know what my automatic visceral reaction is? No. Someone else has the same syndrome. Yes, right there. Okay? Listen, listen automatically, nope, not going to do it, okay? Now, I don't say that in the moment, but whoever that person is who came to my door, whoever it is that called me on the phone, my mind is already made up, okay? I'm just being honest, all right? My mind is already done. Nope, it's not happening. I'll be polite. Sure, oh yeah, tell me. Oh yeah, really, really? But it's not happening because I have been so programmed through the years that I have to say no, that here's the deal, don't miss this. I am no longer open. I'm no longer open and evaluating whether this is something that I need to do. Listen, listen. I am no longer actually saying to God, God, might this be something that you're sending my way? I'm not doing that. I'm just not. Because the no is so deep. It's so rigid in there. So here, here's, the, here's the takeaway that, that for me, okay? See how this applies for you. But it's not about that I need to say yes to everything. That would be crazy, Okay, it's not about saying yes to everything, but I'm not even open. I'm not even open when I evaluate an opportunity. I'm not even really saying, okay, God, might this be something that you want me to do? I'm not there because it's so programmed in that I'm saying no. And so, see, this is what happens then to me is that when opportunities come along, either to give financially, give of my resources, my stuff, or to give of my time, what I am just so naturally wanting to do, without even thinking about it, is hold on so tightly to my lunch. And I miss out on what God might want to do through my lunch. Now, I want to share with you a few stories of people who have shared their lunch, so to speak, and have seen God do really amazing things, just like a little boy in the story who shared his lunch and saw Jesus feed thousands upon thousands of people. 
Um, the first story actually comes from my junior year of high school. My junior year of high school, um, I wasn't really plugged in with my church youth group very much, and the youth leaders decided that they wanted to plan this trip, which had never been done in my church's history. They wanted to plan a youth mission trip to Mexico to build a house for someone who is actually a single mom who didn't have a house, was homeless with um, 11 kids that she adopted off the street and then one of her own children, and she was a widow. It was, it was a crazy, crazy thing. So I was, not, I was not feeling this idea at all. And um, just as a side, since it's Mother's Day, I have to give my mom some serious props because, listen, my mom just would not stop pressing me about this trip. She, would, she just kept talking about it and asking me if I wanted to go, and then she just kept bugging me and nagging me and annoying the you-know-what out of me. She was just driving me crazy. And finally, after months of this, I signed up to go. And it, it was incredible, incredible. And so I just, I just have to give my mom a big shout-out and say to all of you moms, or those of you in the room, and, and you know your mom has done this to you, okay, Thank you for the times that you nagged us to death over something that we absolutely needed to do and didn't want to hear it. That's awesome. You guys keep, keep on doing that because that's important. All right. But anyway, that was total, total tangent. All right. Total tangent. So here's the deal. So I go down to Mexico and I have the most phenomenal experience. This thing completely transformed my life. It completely altered the course of events of my life. I mean, I was not, service wasn't something that was on my radar. I completely went in that direction. I still do to this day. This really was one of those pivotal moments in my spiritual journey of giving me that first true meaningful encounter with God. And you want to know how this all came about? Because a handful of volunteer youth leaders at my church decided that they were going to give up a week's vacation. They were going to give up a portion of their lunch to plan a really, really cool trip for a bunch of high school kids that were at a very impressionable time in their lives. And God did unbelievable things through their little lunch that they decided to give up. Now, I just want to say that there are some of you in this room right now, and you know who you are. You love kids. You love kids. You love to see kids smile. You love to try and bless kids and just make a difference. You're just attracted to kids, you know. Um, and you're coming to Grace, and you're like, oh, man, I love kids. But that whole Graceland thing, like what happens back in that kids area, that's like terrifying because I don't even know all the Bible, and I don't know how to put all that together, and I could never do Sunday school lesson, and what would that all look like? And so you, you, you haven't done anything with that here's the thing it's like you're holding your lunch and you know you've got a love for kids you know you've got something there but you're looking at this massive crowd and jesus disciples are walking by and they're like hey does anybody have a lunch that they could spare and you're going there's like 15 20 000 people here i mean how could my lunch make a difference and so you end up not not giving that lunch and so i just I, I want to challenge you. If you're, if you're a kid person here, listen. What might God be able to do in and through that? You know, the, the, when you're a child, that is your most impressionable time. That's when you're most open to questions of faith and understanding who God is. 
you could have a tremendous impact. God could work through you in ways that you would never imagine. But you have to be willing to give God something to work with, like those youth leaders did for me when I was in high school. Speaking of kids, um, Grace is very plugged in with an organization called Casa Chiralagua. Many of you actually are serving there. And back in 2010, 2011, they gave us a little award. I think I, I have a scan copy of that, do I? Okay, so um, this is just so you can get a little bit better look. But basically, they gave us, they gave us a little um, award because so many of us here at Grace were plugged in. Now, this is an, a Christian organization down in South Arlington, North Alexandria, uh, that primarily works with immigrant families. And it was started by two women who really wanted to make um, a difference in that community, wanted to figure out how do, we, how do we truly love our neighbor. And so they just they moved into the community and just tried to figure it out, didn't make any assumptions. And what they landed on was the big need there was, was all these kids who were falling behind in school. They were desperate for love and attention because many of their family members were working like crazy, crazy hours and double shifts and, and whatnot. And there's a major, major gang um, population that's there. Teenage pregnancy is rampant violence. I mean, it just goes on and on. And so they started um, several different programs, one of them called Kids Club, which many of you guys participate in. And so um, we received this, and this was sitting in my office, and I was reading the, the top, you see the top left there? It's Bianca. So all the kids from Kids Club had signed it. And Bianca writes, I love Kids Club. I love Kids Club. Those four words, do you realize how powerful those four words are? This is a girl who is desperate for a sense of family, a sense of love, a sense of community. And there's all sorts of things in her neighborhood right around her that reach out and offer those same things. That's one of the, the biggest draws of gangs in low-income communities, you know that? It's a sense of family, it's a sense of love, it's a sense of place. But she hasn't found that there. She hasn't found that by getting pregnant and trying to have a child of her own when it doesn't make any sense to do that. She has found that in an after-school program that is staffed by, by our church and several other churches in this area by a number of dedicated volunteers that are willing to give up a little over an hour a week to come down and build into the lives of these kids. People, many of you in this room, have been willing to give up your lunch. And I'm telling you, lives are changing. A community is being transformed. We are reaching the next generation of kids, and it's awesome. Let's bring it a little bit closer to right here on Sunday mornings. It is amazing to me how many of you are willing to give a little of your lunch and give up your time to be here and to serve here at Grace on Sunday mornings with a number of our different teams. We believe it's so that the first impression is so critical for someone who hasn't been at church for a while or has had a really negative experience with church. Uh, studies show that actually most people make the decision whether they're going to come back before they ever get to the point where they're hearing the sermon. Did you know that? It actually starts in the parking lot. It starts in the lobby. It starts when they're checking their kids into Graceland. The, the sense of welcome, the sense of warmth that, 
that a first-time person receives, that's where they're going to make the decision on whether or not they come back to church. And I, guys, I cannot tell you, that this it's not every single week, but it feels like it. It's probably like every other week that we will get either an email or someone will come up to us and just say, I want you to know how incredibly welcoming this church is. That the, the way that I knew that I was going to come back to church, the way that I knew that I was going to, you know, take a second chance on religion and God was because just the way that I felt when I walked in here, the way that everyone treated me when I walked in here. It happens over and over and over again. And you, you guys, this is not, I mean, it, it's, it is a big deal, okay? It's Sunday morning, and I know how precious sleep is, so... I'm, I'm trying to back myself up here. I'm, I was about to say it's not a big deal. I know it is a big deal, okay? But you know, many of these things, I'm not talking about setup team, they get up at a ridiculous hour, but, um, <laughs> but the other teams, you know, almost the great majority of them, it's like showing up an extra half hour early. Extra half hour early, giving up a little bit of your lunch at 30 minutes. I know it'd be good to, to hit snooze a few more times, but you have no idea how God takes your little lunch and does miraculous things through it. You have no idea how the trajectory of someone's entire life might change because they go from a place where they're angry at God and they've given up on faith and they walk in here and because you guys decided you were willing to show up and you were willing to serve and you were willing to put, to put a smile on your face and, and greet somebody and go out of your way, that, that radically changes people's lives. It's amazing what God can do with our little lunch. So those are a few kind of more individual stories. I want to talk to you about a couple things that we're doing together as a church. So Grace Community Church is the most generous church that I've ever been a part of in my life um, in terms of just how radically... Um, we want to give things away here. We are on course in 2013 to give away over a quarter of a million dollars um, out in missions to, to love and serve those who are less fortunate than we are. It, it's an awesome, yeah, you guys can clap for that. It's an amazing thing. And on our website, you can, you can read. Uh, there's just too much to go into, okay? You, if you go onto our, the missions link on our webpage, you can see um, the different things that we're involved in. But I just want to talk about a, a couple because they're, they're really, they're, they're, they're pretty cool, and they're, um, one of them is very recent. So we have formed a, a really neat partnership with TJ Middle School, the school right here where we meet. And we have built a relationship with the social worker here, and one of the needs we came to understand was that there's, there's a ton of kids who go to this school that are um, they're low income. They're on the free and reduced lunch program and that sort of thing. And so even though there's things that you know, they can get assistance and things like that, there are some gaps. And oftentimes kids come to school and, man, it is just, it, you can tell it's really tough. And the social worker deals with a lot of these situations. And so she's, she said to us, hey, you know what would be amazing? It, could we set up like a benevolence fund? that then the social worker who knows these families and kids the best would be able to tap into. And so we, every month, we give away large sums of money into this benevolence fund to bless the kids right here at this school. And 
the social worker, her name's Christine, she's a great lady. She, she stopped by our office. She comes by from time to time to just tell us things that are happening. And so she, she, um, she was stopped by the office a couple of days ago, and I was talking to her. And she told me this really cool story. She said, you know, Derek, I, I had the opportunity to, um, to be in the room when they put uh, prescription, the right prescription glasses on, on a middle school boy for the very first time. She said, I got, to, I got to see them put those glasses on that boy. And she said, in that moment when the glasses went on, the boy just goes, wow. Like for the first time, he was seeing things clearly, not straining his eyes and like getting a headache to try and see. Do you, do you understand how amazing that is? That's incredible. Now, that's a small thing. For us, it's just a little lunch. But for that boy, I mean, I, I can't even imagine. It's just this week. Who knows how that will impact his life? I'm sure he's going to do better in school. I mean, that's just like a given. He can actually see the, the board, you know. But think about this. This boy had that wow experience. And he knows because the social worker goes out of her way to say, I want you to know how this was possible. She actually attends another church in the area, okay? So she goes out of her way to let, let uh, people know how this happened, that, uh, that this was this church that meets here that made this possible for you. So here's this boy, and he has this incredible wow moment. And he is blessed by a church that doesn't even know who he is. He's never even come here. You talk about love. You talk about grace. What that might do in this boy's life, I have no idea where he is spiritually. But what that might do, you see, Jesus takes our little lunch and he does so much more than we can possibly imagine. But we have to be willing to give God something to work with. All right, this one I want to talk to you about. So I mentioned Casa Chiralagua. And um, it's pretty cool, these two women that, that started Casa Chiralagua down in the Arlandria area, um, they just moved into that community and they, they, they live in the community full time. So it's not just like they're running some sort of, you know, after school program or doing a nine to five job. After that, they live in the community and they like have dinner with their neighbors and it's like a full time 24 seven type of endeavor. And they have been going for years and years and years. And this organization is like exploding. It's like God is just blessing the socks off this organization. Okay. Um, but one of the things that we've realized, because we take uh, relationship very seriously, so all the organizations that we partner with, um, we, we try and really get to know them and understand where they are and how we can really be uh, helpful. And so um, what we realized, one of, the, one of the founding ladies and her husband actually go to Grace. And so we were talking to them. And um, what we came to realize was, man, they were just killing it. I mean, they were just doing everything and just going, going, going. But they were just tired, just tired and, and feeling just burned out. And so even though, you know, still just really going after this mission, just needed a break. And so what we did, and uh, I, I think this is really cool, really outside the box, but it became clear that what these ladies needed was a sabbatical. Like a sabbatical where they could go away and we would actually pay for them to go away because they're working for nothing. To be able to go away and to recharge and just to do nothing and then just sit and hear from God and actually 
pay like people who could come in and take their, all their responsibilities over so that they could truly unplug and not be worried day to day about the operations. And so they both did this. And I had the, the privilege of being able to read the letters that they wrote to us after they came back from this sabbatical. And just the sense of vitality, of life, of fresh new inspiration, of really feeling like they'd heard from God and now ready to go and just run 150% and just go even, even harder and, and even better than before. It was absolutely an awesome thing. I have no idea how God might use that little lunch that we wanted to offer them. But it's pretty cool. We've done the same thing with, with the family in Brazil, the Charisma family. Some of you know have adopted all these kids. Some of you have been down and, and you've seen that. Every year, Grace Community Church sponsors them to actually go away. Because they got, I think right now they got like 20 kids in their house. And to have people come in, like trained professionals, believe me, you've got to have that, okay, to be able to come in. And, 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 and that's something that we take care of. Um, and it's just, it's so cool what God does in and through all that. And so here's, I guess, what, I'm, what I want to say through all that is, for me, my natural inclination is, I, I, I just, I can't help it. But I find even when I'm not paying attention, my hand, it just won't let go of my lunch. It just, it just grabs it so tight. And you guys really inspire me. So many of you are willing to give so generously of your time and your treasure. And it's inspiring. It challenges me. I want to say to you this morning, if you're here, and maybe you can relate to me, maybe you're a, not a natural, uh, naturally generous person. You just, it's okay. You can admit it. It's fine. Um, maybe that just, you, you have this tendency to want to really hold tight to what you got to protect it. What I want to just say to you in, in the most loving way that I can is please don't miss out on opportunities to experience God. I'm not saying that this is the only way that we experience God or that you, know, you have to give to be blessed. That's not at all what I'm saying. But just, just realize that you, you want to make sure you're giving God something to work with. You really want to make sure you're giving God something to work with. Now, for those of you who are here and you're like, man, this is cool because I feel good. I'm, I'm already giving. I'm serving. And I'm, I'm giving financially. And I'm, by the way, when I say giving, I'm not even talking about, I'm not even worried about giving to this church. So if you think this is some appeal to give more money to Grace, Grace is doing fine. Um, it's, it's all good. We don't have some financial crisis or something. This is, that's not what this talks about at all. This is about you and wanting to experience what God might have for you in your life, okay? So, um, but I want to want to share something. So I, I mentioned I'm not naturally generous, but I have been working on it through the years, and I've gotten much much better at it. Thankful to say. And so now Becky and I are in a place in our lives where where we're giving. Actually, like we're you know we're doing the tithing thing, giving ten percent uh, back to the church, and then we also give to some other charities and other organizations. And so um, we're giving uh, over ten percent. Of, of our money, and, and we're also serving in a variety of ways, both in, inside the church and outside the church. But I have, so I have actually the same problem now, but in a whole different kind of way. And that's what I want to say to you. If you're here and you, you're like, yeah, I'm good. Like, I do serve and I, and I do give. L- let me, permission to challenge you a little bit, to give you something to chew on this morning, okay? So what I have found 
is I have the same problem that I had before. Before, I wanted to hold on to all 100% of my stuff, my, my lunch, so to speak. And now it's like, okay, I got auto pay. I love auto pay. Just things happen. I don't have to think about it. It doesn't hurt as much, you know. So, so I, just, I just auto pay first of the month. It all goes out, you know, and I got my schedule. I know where I'm going to serve. And so I'm like, okay, perfect. Like that 10% plus, like that's all good. I'm taken care of. Whew, thank you. That hurt a little bit, but whew. And then it's like, but now the rest, this is mine. <laughs> I mean, I gave a bunch, so this is all mine. Thank God, right? Seriously, this is, this is, this is what I do. <laughs> and I say, oh, this is my lunch. Nobody's going to take this from me. But I completely forget that this is not my lunch. You want to know whose name is on my lunch bag? Now, I'm only talking about the 90% that I have left. Like, I felt like I did my duty. But let me read you a verse from 1 Corinthians 10.26 in the New Testament. It's a great reminder. The earth is the Lord's. Catch these last four words. And everything in it. Everything. It all belongs to God. And my tendency still is I'm like, okay, good. I've got my regular serving stuff. I've got my regular giving stuff. But what about the things that God might want to do? What about the unforeseen opportunities? What about other things that God might be bringing my way? I'm like, oh God, I'm good. I'm good, I've done that. Now, I'm not saying, hear me clearly, I'm not saying that you're supposed to give all 100% of everything away, like just, just be poor and homeless and on the street, and that's just the answer. No. But again, it comes back to this. Are you willing, are you open if an opportunity presents itself where someone comes around and says, anybody got any lunch? Anybody got any food? Opportunity to serve, opportunity to give. Are you open? Or are you so tightly clinging onto the bag like I have this tendency to do? Don't miss out on what God might want to do in and through you. Don't miss out on that. Now, this might seem totally crazy to you, especially if you're new to church. But I want to tell you something, and this is not going. This is actually going to get crazier, I think. But but this is just how it goes. Um, we are here just just to clue you in. Uh, the the reason that we're here is because we're all following after Jesus Christ. That's the one we follow. We follow his teachings. We follow his example. And that's this is actually where it gets nuts because Jesus didn't just give up his lunch. He gave up his life. His entire life was just here to serve and to bless, and to be open to need. And that's actually what we are called to do as well. Let's pray. God, um, we thank you so much for this very familiar story. Um, we thank you for the way you touched that little boy. And though he was poor and maybe that was his only meal of the day, we don't know that he was willing to give up his lunch for you. God, often um, we're in a place where we either out of fear because we worry that if we give up our lunch that we may not have another one or we won't have enough to, to, to get by or just out of sheer being overwhelmed by the fact that 
the crowd seems so big and, and our lunch seems so small. God, whatever the reason, many of us in this room struggle with holding so tightly to our lunch. And God, we are sorry when we lose sight of the fact that it's actually yours. It's all yours. It belongs to you. We belong to you. God, for those of us this morning who are default mechanism and it's so deep in us, we don't even hear it. We don't even notice it anymore. It's just no, 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 no. We pray, God, that you would just allow us to pause and really be open to each opportunity and to ask you, is this, is this something you would want me to do, God? You want me to give up my lunch? We thank you for your radical example of how you not only gave up your lunch, Jesus, but you gave your life for us. That you lived a life we couldn't live. And you went to that cross and you died for us as a payment for our sins. So no matter what we've done, no matter what we will do, we're forgiven. Lord, we thank you for that amazing gift that you were willing to give. Let us be gift givers too. In Christ's name.